Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Cult Popshire podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Hello and welcome to the Cold Pop Show podcast. This is the end of our Oscars cheat sheet, which normally, you know, if we do something post-ceremony or more than a few days after the ceremony, it's like the Oscars. Was that this year? I've already forgotten about them. Mm. But fortunately for us, the uh, the incident, as it's heretofore <laughs> known, uh, has actually kept the, the discussion in... And, mm. you know, the generals in our mouths and all in the public's mouths. And we're not going to be talking about that today, though. But it is good that people are still talking about the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> I think this this is still a subject that could exist outside of Oscar conversation. It's mm. more we're writing the curtails mm. into it, I think. Yes. So today we're talking about what is the best acting? And that might be a, a strange question to ask, but that's why we've we've brought in our actor slash friend, Aaron Richardson. I'm so glad that because this is a uh, post-Oscars podcast that I can continue to maintain the title of actor slash friend. <laughs> I also yeah. think because you, you had the benefit of starring in a miniseries that we did, which we've never really done before, I think this might be the most amount of episodes in a row that a sometimes host has appeared on mm. on the podcast. So congratulations. Would you say yeah. that I won the Oscar of <laughs> <laughs> most the, the 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 award for most acting? <laughs> just it, it goes it goes to to Bruce Willis for 2021 just because he was in like six <laughs> films. Did you hear about the the Razzies thing with that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, the, that they had to they they made an award at the Razzies this year, which was like the worst Bruce Willis movie, and then it came out in the last week that he's retiring from acting from from like aphasia, aphasia, and. Uh, so the the Razzies were like, all right. Um, well, now we, we feel res- bad. <laughs> yeah, we rescind our awards as if that means anything. Oh, okay, <laughs> you don't have the Razzies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> also, it uh, wasn't mentioned up top, but I'm Richard, and also, obviously, as always, joined by AJ, and we've Hello. introduced Aaron. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about yeah, what's the best acting, and maybe we'll bring you back, Aaron, for what's the best friendship. <laughs> <laughs> something you're equally qualified to talk about what's the best guest hosting <laughs> <laughs> i think you're gonna say what's the worst acting now there's a podcast there is a that podcast. sounds mean-spirited <laughs> <laughs> this is definitively the worst acting but then i don't know i guess you'd have to have a sort of caveat of like um best acting in a professional role or best acting in a movie that had like a release otherwise mm. it's like 
definitely just the children I saw acting. Well, that's the thing. It would still end up just bullying children. <laughs> the worst acting I've seen was a um a year 13 play that I was made to go to while I when I was in my mid-20s. <laughs> that's, that's what I nominate for the worst acting I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I went to go see, after I left high school, I went to go see my old high school, did a, a Batman play that was oh one of the guys wrote it and he played alfred and he just uh, wrote this batman play and it was insane that sounds very masturbatory like <laughs> it was. he somehow convinced the drama department to do exactly what he wanted to do yeah it's, you know? it's Did, really strange was the script good i i honestly couldn't remember i can't imagine the technical elements were any good i remember the like the girl wearing the Harley Quinn outfit was like a friend of mine. And it was like one of those things where it was like after the show, it was like, obviously like kind of the, the, the elephant in the room was like, yeah, that girl was in like a very revealing skin tight outfit. And that was like all anyone could talk about. <laughs> and it was just like, you, you were great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there, is this the best acting? Is this your yes, nomination sir, that's for the, the best, best acting? acting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you do. Uh, we, this is one of the ones where we have gone to our social media, our Discord, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, put the call out to you, the listener, to see what you think is the best acting. And it's kind of whatever your interpretation of that question is, because it's mm. obviously, like I said, a, a bananas question to ask. And deliberately vague. Exactly. Deliberately vague. And. We've done a few of these in the past. We've talked about what's the best sequel, what's the best song, what's the best prequel. And the idea, hopefully, is that we are going to, through our discussion of everyone's suggestions and some that we've brought to the table ourselves, that we're going to have, we're going to be able to eliminate (laughs) dozens of performances at a time (laughs) by discounting things based on arbitrary rules we're going to set forth that no the best acting can't be yada yada um and then eventually Mm. hopefully crown what we think is the best acting (laughs) whatever that may mean Mm. so uh, Brent from Texas actually put it quite well when uh, he commented on the Discord when we when we put the call out saying it's an insane and then he crossed that out and said amazing question when you think about it what is acting and how do you measure its quality is it the most like something else that someone can portray i.e. who is the truest interpretation of the character or is it who moved the farthest from themselves to portray a character who abandoned their own identity to pursue someone else's and I think that's kind of the question that's going to probably reoccur a lot is that do you, yeah, because I, I guess this is the two different schools of thoughts. Like either you're completely transforming to a character that's nothing like yourself, or do we need to have a performance that has so much truth that you're bringing into the character from your own life? Stanislavskian, uh, I believe. Yeah, it's sort of interesting because that, sort of way of conceiving of uh, the differences in acting style is like kind of a fundamental schism within the profession itself, right? Is like there's kind of two thoughts that exist and one is that like character exists or like character doesn't exist, you know, like either, you know, 
you're just yourself always when you're playing a character or you know you're attempting to create this fictional person from the page and bring them flesh and blood to life mm. what are you guys best at out of those two methods <laughs> both of them everything <laughs> I am the best actor. You, you are an actor <laughs> and aaron's the best actor that's why we got him exactly <laughs> I feel like I can convincingly sound like myself while acting, but as soon as I've had to have to like do any kind of like, you know, stepping into the role of another character is where I tend to to struggle. But I can act as AJ from Cult Popcha pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, I think I would say that I probably more naturally align with the idea of. Um, I guess you'd say it's sort of vaguely Stanislavski of like character existing or like, um, yeah, moving away from yourself mm. in order to portray a character. Uh, do you want to just give a quick rundown by of what we mean by Stanislavski? So Stanislavski was a Russian, Konstantin Stanislavski was a Russian theatre director and sort of theatre, um, I want to say ideas man, because the actual word isn't coming to uh, to mind, uh, a thinker about theatre like and acting. Yeah, a philosopher, if you will, um, from Russia, from the basically, I think his career spanned kind of the late 1800s to the sort of first part of the 1900s. And a lot of his ideas kind of form the basis, basically, of a lot of Western American ideas about acting and screen acting and um, ways of thinking about acting, basically. Um, Mm. And I guess, you know, he kind of had a lot of different thoughts about acting throughout his life, but the one that's sort of taught in New Zealand schools and in the curriculum is sort of about, you know, like what can you do to your voice or your body or the way you move or the way your character speaks in order to shift yourself from, you know, who you are in your everyday life to a character uh, who's written on a page and how do you bring that to life? Um, yeah, and so the the idea we kind of hear of like method acting—that's a Stanislavski thing, right? Yeah, it was a sort of extension of Stanislavski. Um, so it's almost, uh, yeah, I would say it's potentially probably more American in that sense. Um, right. That there were several practitioners in the sort of nineteen forties or fifties who saw Stanislavski's work and like learnt from him and sort of took it one step further. Of this idea of method acting being the fact that you take on the characteristics you've chosen for your character and you inhabit that through your like everyday life for the entire period that you're portraying a character. So for a film, for example, the Joker, you, know, you might spend <laughs> three months living your life as the character. And then when they stop production, you stop. Mm. Yeah. It's because I know one of the sort of the first big people of the Stanislavski or method acting technique was Marlon Brando, uh, who I think, you know, it deserves a mention in the what's the best acting conversation. <laughs> but one of my favorite bits of trivia is that, so a streetcar named Desire, which is kind of like the screen performance that uh, it ushered in an era of like what we would now consider good acting mm. uh, when you actually you know the the character the actor is believing the character that uh, streetcar named desire is one of two films to win three out of the four acting categories at the oscars but the only one it didn't win was marlon brando so it's like the the performance that changed the way acting would look for the next 71 years is the weak link in that film 
Yeah. <laughs> There's, you could say that of like film history, though. Eh? There are so many like films that didn't win the Oscar for Best Picture that, you mm. know, are massively important in the context of history of cinema. One thing I would say, and it's also like a Marlon Brando story I really like, is apparently they were once doing an exercise in um, their acting class and the teacher was like getting them to be chickens basically and then was like, you know, talking them through kind of different scenarios in order to like exhibit, you know, responses from the chicken and um or well, stellar adler anyway she she was like okay and now imagine that there's like a nuclear bomb like falling on from the sky onto you people right now and so like all the other chickens start like freaking out and apparently marlon brando like chicken did nothing basically and at the end of the session stellar adler was like why didn't your chicken freak out and he was like i'm a chicken man what do i understand of nuclear bombs <laughs> yeah nice um that's why he's the king. <laughs> That's why he's the greatest. <laughs> it was his hat, Mr. Krabs. <laughs> uh, so I think, yeah, interestingly, actually, no one uh, said Marlon Brando um, on, on our suggestions. But, I mean, you know, The Godfather's, uh, his performance in The Godfather is obviously would be in discussion and you probably see it a lot if you just google what's the best acting performance of all time which i've done a few times in the last couple of days <laughs> and they're all from at least 30 years ago and none of the suggestions we got are from more than 30 years ago so <laughs> it's a nice balance of like what the old school think is cool mm. and what the new school think is cool i was on letterboxd earlier and i was quizzing my flatmate on what are the top five films as ranked by popularity on letterboxd mm. and he was like like, oh, Godfather? And I was like, it's letter. This ain't IMDb, baby. Yeah. This is Letterboxd. <laughs> this is the site that, that had peak peak membership hit in 2019 and three of the movies from the top five are from 2019. Yeah, I know. Uh, Parasite <laughs> and Joker are the top two, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, there's also Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is sixth. The only oldie-ish on the top five is Pulp Fiction. I oh, am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's very interesting. It's, it's like a very... I think accurate snapshot into like a letterboxed user. But anyway, so uh, mm. if you Google what's the best active performance of all time, the top result that comes up is a website called movie.com and uh, it has Marlon Brando and the Godfather as, as the number one. Mm. Um, uh, so I've kind of put these, these suggestions we've had into some categories. I think they're going to spark some interesting discussions. First up, we're going to have uh, a few people recommended child actors. Mm-hmm. Being close on Facebook, uh, said, I tend to be more impressed with strong performances in young actors, Antoine Olivier Pion in Mummy, uh, Jacob Tremblay in Room, and something I really see discussed when regarding such a large budget fantasy movie, Elijah Wood is damn excellent in The Lord of the Rings. I don't know if there are many other roles where the acting is so consistently great for such a long duration, especially considering the films, film, flash, slash films, was shot over a three plus year time frame. I mean, obviously, there's television as well, but mm. <laughs> which we actually didn't really get many suggestions for. So I think we could probably just say, "What's the best movie acting of all time?" I've got, I've got TV ideas for uh, my own personal bank of yeah. important acting to me. So. Yeah, and I think that durational thing is a, a sort of interesting thing to talk about as well, right? Mm. Like, you know, to be able to sustain and also develop a character over you know, five years, 10 years or whatever is a sort of yeah. a very different skill to what you do in movie acting. 
Yeah, and I think that you find a lot in TV shows as well that the character and the actor sort of start to meet in the middle a little bit mm-hmm. by the end of it, especially with sitcoms. Um, when you know it's yeah, it's it's, it's situational comedy, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's you start to they start to bleed over into each other. Well, I think I think then that like one distinguishing factor of something like Lord of the Rings as opposed to a TV show would be that it's it was filmed out of sequence. So not exactly. only is Elijah Wood, for example, having to develop a character, he's having to do it, uh, you know, acting as movie three Frodo and and one on one day and the next he's playing movie one Frodo. And so um, the difference, I guess, with with TV acting would be like, at least by season, that's a- The character grows with you. A linear progression, whereas Frodo or or Elijah Wood or any of the actors in Lord of the Rings Mm. had to do it out of order. So you're saying that the best acting should be judged on whether it was shot out of order? I'm saying that- that (laughs) I think maybe an an extra tangible challenge to just performing maybe should be part of the the criteria. Which right? I think is interesting because if you were to ask me my favorite child actor performance, um, it's from a movie directed by Tarsem Singh called The Fall. Have either of you guys seen that? No. I have seen The Fall. So yeah. it's uh, it stars Lee Pace as this uh, stunt man who gets. Uh, who gets mm, wounded and he's great. bedridden for most of the movie. It's a, it's a gorgeous film. and You should watch The Fall, Aaron. It's actually exactly your kind of movie. <laughs> cool, man. It's pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> it's boring. It's art house. Um, <laughs> Throwback. But so so most of the movie is like he's uh, bedridden, can't walk, and he's telling these fantastical stories to this little girl who's – uh, and then you you see the fantastical stories going on as she imagines them, but the, the behind the scenes of the film, the the the, the young girl actor Katinka Untaru, her name is, and she had no idea that Lee Pace could walk, and essentially they just sheltered her so much that she, you know, thought everything that was happening was true, and it's the best child acting performance you'll see for my money, which is, uh, you know, kind of talking about what we were just talking about then that it's like, well, I kind of can't be the best acting because they didn't even know they were acting. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> Vinny from TPE on discord also, uh, said Roman Griffin, Griffin Davis and Jojo rabbit is phenomenal. I think it is one of the best child act performances I've ever seen. He is innocent and very vulnerable at parts and has excellent chemistry with all the adult actors. He has amazing character growth throughout the movie. And I cried a lot at parts. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that yeah, you, you have to wonder, like, is it more impressive that a child is able to do this or because it's a child, are they, you know, being sheltered in some way? Less self-conscious as well. Like I'd say, mm. I don't know, there's something about childhood where you're sort of less self-aware in some respects. So you're not having to fight that battle in your head of like, you look like an idiot. Why are you <laughs> doing that? You know, yeah. as a child, you're just like, la, 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 I'm reacting. <laughs> Uh, how old was would Roman Griffin Davis have been in Jojo Rabbit though? He's probably twelve, like still pr- pretty old, you know, for for a child actor. So I don't know if he would have been sheltered in the same way as the young girl from The Fall. Um, mm, true. I, th- I think uh, it's, he, he would he would have been yeah eleven or twelve. Right. I think it's um I think I think it is a good performance to call out, and I'm surprised I haven't seen Roman Griffin Davis in anything really since 
Jojo Rabbit. You'd think people would want to capitalize on having like a a a comedic talent that young that kind of understands. He's only done one other performance, and that's in a movie called Silent Night. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a a Kara Knightley film. Mm. Um, Whereas uh, Archie, Archie, what's his name? The kid who played Archie Yates. Archie Yates did another did a Home Alone movie, and it was like the worst acting. Okay, <laughs> you were very cute in Jojo Rabbit. I don't know. But now I'm, I'm if- sick of you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will also just say that someone um, also said, uh, Aaron from The Swamp said the dog that played Harchie in Harchie, A Dog's Tale, probably said that this is the first example that came to mind, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. They're not capable of knowing that they're doing a good performance. <laughs> so I don't think that that should be considered the best <laughs> acting. I will also say just um, Ben Close also pointed out, uh, highlighted Jacob Tremblay in Room. And while that's a fantastic performance, uh, Brie Larson in Room is probably what I, what I would, you know, one of the ones mm-hmm. I put my, my name into the ring for uh, what I think is the best acting. I think she's incredible in that movie. And that was before she got all woke and, uh, <laughs> you know, called for genocide of men. <laughs> no, it's okay. We can we can make fun of her now because she's into NFTs and crypto. So she's actually crossed the entire spectrum of, of like, defense from the left to condemnation from the left. So <laughs> there is a thing in kind of acting where a lot of – times performances are better as a result of like acting opposite children because you're like you're less focused on your own performance and you're more focused on like trying to Mm, help this other person so it's sort of like there's a really famous example in new zealand of um do you guys know who bruno lawrence is yeah i was gonna put i I would love to mention bruno i know i know bruno mars (laughs) <laughs> I'm familiar with the singer Bruno <laughs> Mars. This is a um, great example. I know what you're going to say. It's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the movie's called? Let me find out for you. Is it? It's like last. It's it's about be, him basically being one of the last people on Earth, though, right? The oh, well, quiet the, Earth. The, the, the Quiet Earth. Yeah, yeah Quiet yeah. Earth. That's one. That's not the one where he talks to the kid, though. Ah, oh, that's a different movie. Okay, I apologize. But anyway, the scene is basically his child's birthday. Um, mm-hmm. and the whole scene kind of just revolves around, like, you can see very clearly Bruno Lawrence trying to get a good performance out of this person. And so, you know, he sort of loses himself in the role of father looking after child. And it's like one of them, it's often talked about as one of like the most amazing performances by a New Zealand actor ever. Mm. And it's like just real good because he was trying to elicit a performance from someone else and so you know lost himself in the moment rather than being like okay i need to look here etc the quiet earth he is uh really good and as well he does a speech about being the last man on earth and i often will just re-watch that scene because i think it's a stunning very theatrical it almost feels like a stage play um you know, kind of performance, and I really like that that scene as well. I'm glad you brought up Bruno Lawrence. Hell yeah! Well, we need more Kiwi representation. Of this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they interviewed Anthony Hopkins once, and they were like, "Who's the best actor you ever acted with?" And he was like, "Bruno Lawrence." Really? Interesting. Yeah. I think yeah, it was Anthony in, Hopkins. They're in Spotswood together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. Um. They're, they're, yeah. Great. Great. Sort of. I would say deep cut, but Smash Palace is the movie you're talking about. Sorry, that's the one. One person that I think uh, this what's the best acting the the conversation needs to 
reference is a guy by the name of Nicolas Cage. There's an entire community <laughs> episode devoted to whether or not he's a good actor. <laughs> and yeah, so a few people, I'll just read out the comments from people. Uh, David Searle on Facebook simply put anything with, with Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Tamar Tabor on Discord said, Nick Cage in 90% of his filmography. Dude commits to everything with 110% of his energy. Especially want to call to attention his performances in Kick-Ass and Pig. Required pretty different approach despite the theoretically similar character archetypes i.e. middle-aged uh, stoic white guy tra- traumatized by the death of, of his wife that copes with it by obsessing over a hobby at the expense of his other relationships in life which speaks to how he can get into the head of both the character and the director and uh, Craig from TP semicolon E said absolutely agree he might be the best actor currently working his films are wildly variable quality wise but he absolutely commits to every role no matter how dumb the writing or direction is left behind is a 100% a terrible film but he is staggeringly good in it and in a role that he took on as a favor to his brother no less I mean that's a good argument for best actor or best acting is like even when you're in a dog shit movie committing 100% and I think respecting the text yeah, I think commitment is the difference between good acting and bad acting. I think I think what's so striking about about seeing a good performance in a bad film, especially from like an auteur, is like just the evidence that they that they bought into the text and it's why you can tell, you know, certain actors um that haven't haven't committed to, to roles either in their later years or whatever is like mm. you can sense that they aren't buying into it. You know, you can sense Yeah, the idea of phoning it in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think like Nicholas Cage is a, is a prime example of someone who, for better or worse, will throw his whole Nicholas Cussy into every performance that he <laughs> that he plays. Um, and like I remember being in high school and thinking Nicholas Cage, terrible actor, mm. like insane. We've all gone through terrible. the yeah, yeah, right. It's a phase. You go through it because you think he's in so many bad movies where he just plays an insane person, and you're yeah. like, that's bad acting. And then you start to see him in good stuff either that he's already done or that he starts to put mm. out and you're like it's, it's the same energy maybe maybe the yeah. the it's a different way of looking at acting nicholas i can say nicholas cage kind of changed my perception of what uh good acting yeah. is because what acting could be of, yeah it's irrespective of the the text itself yeah. you know? aaron what do you make of the nicholas cage debate I really love that this is coming directly after the children segment because you go from like people who are unaware that they're acting to people who are a person who is incredibly aware that he's acting. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. It sort of brings up those ideas of like appropriateness for the movie itself, mm, right? So I guess, yeah, I picked up when Asia was talking, you know, sometimes Nicolas Cage is like, yeah but then other times you're like damn and it's you know he's basically giving the same performance or a similar performance but it's just because it's in a different movie Nicolas Cage has like come out in, in just the past week and basically confirmed everything we're saying by the way like like he did an interview recently like in on the, the last seven for days or so unbearable weight yeah 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 where, where he's basically said like yeah I did a bunch of straight to DVD movies in the last couple of years but I committed 100% to every one of them. Yeah. To be fair to that, he did Connie long before he was in tax trouble. So I, I don't know if it necessarily <laughs> passes as much muster as uh, one would believe. But um, yeah, what was I going to say? I was going to say that, yeah, sometimes in my own experience, going like 
too hard after a roll or going too hard after a scene is also like a recipe for a bad performance. Oh, you know, yeah. like going hard at something is not necessarily going to result in it being a good performance. Sometimes, you know, going too hard at something makes it terrible, whereas just sort of like sitting in a scene and allowing it to happen will make it more interesting emotionally and make you more open emotionally than just like kind of pushing your you know in Nicolas Cage's thing weird Nicolas Cage isms um mm-hmm. I think it also brings up that thing of like you know sometimes people's mannerisms are just like you know like kind of can be grating and that's just who they are as a person you know yeah. and there's not a lot you can do about that, well, that that's kind of part of the discussion with Nicolas Cage as well as that like as as good of an actor as he is and how varied his performances are you are i think always aware at some point that you're watching nicholas cage and that you that's the reason you go to see the movie and like part of me is almost like can the best acting really be from like a leading man a lead actor type like or does it have to be from a character actor because mm. a a lead actor your leading man type you some part of you i think is always aware other than you know in rare circuit uh, rare exceptions you are aware you're watching that person whereas i find it's you tend to be more with character actors that they really sink into the, the 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 character and you forget you're watching them but again does that actually mean it's good acting hmm. yeah who who are we to say the people running this podcast um, no, I would not say it's good acting. <laughs> well, it's like in an ideal world, every actor only does one movie, right? Then the the illusion of film is upheld. That's <laughs> that's a great um, point to bring up because uh, Bliss, oh my dog, uh, on on Discord pointed out one performance. That I'm glad someone brought up. It's it's not a film I've seen, but it's a film I'm fascinated by. Um, this is uh, from 1928's The Passion of Joan of Arc. Um, I don't know if you got, are you familiar with this? You'd be familiar with this, Aaron, yeah? Yeah, I think you've talked about it to me before. I think only through you is how I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so again, yeah, I, I, I've watched clips of the movie just to see what all the fuss is about. But essentially, this, um, which Bosama Dogs talks about, but um, you yeah, uh, this uh, Renee Falconetti played Joan of Arc in the silent film from 1928 and to this day almost 100 years later it's still considered one of if not the greatest performances ever captured on film and she never acted again and that was her only performance she ever did and so it's like exactly what you're title. saying AJ yeah but um give it to her then <laughs> I'm happy with that. so uh this is it's it's strapping because it's, it's quite a long comment um so Bliss on oh my dog says I respectfully nominate silent film actress Renee Falconetti's performance as Joan of Arc in the 1928 film The Passion of Joan of Arc. While perhaps an overstated answer in many circles, my personal belief is that hers is the most miraculous and perfect performance ever put to celluloid. Picture the impossible. Trying to balance a snowflake on the head of a needle, that is what makes Falconetti's performance so endearing, a performance that reaches the very precipice of fragility in its delivery. It's a great sentence. It would be easy in a performance of her of similar style to hers to overact or become hammy. Falconetti does not do that. She sits perfectly on that fine line and never crosses it, even for a moment. 
Perhaps that is why the film is presented contemporarily in completely silent form, including the complete absence of music or score. Her performance perhaps would be marred by such a thing due to its fragile nature. The raw, untamed, yet subtle performance remains untouched because addition could send it over that aforementioned line. I'd also be remiss not to mention her eyes, much like the eyes of Frodo in Lord of the Rings. There's another mention for Elijah Wood. <laughs> yeah, Elijah Wood getting a, a lot of play in the best acting <laughs> podcast. Did not expect that. Uh, her piercing eyes glow and stare into your soul, the eyes of a woman who has been broken and put to slaughter by a patriarch- patriarchal theocracy. There are some claims that her performance is a result of abuse and torment at the hands of the film's director, pushing her to the brink, and other claims that this is patently untrue. I would like to believe the former, if only that because I'd like to think a human capable of such an amazing theatrical feat. After this film, she never acted on film again, as if to say that this was her gift to the world to say, there you go, I'm done, I've peaked the art of acting. Uh, and indeed, it is perhaps poetic that the film was released in 1928, perhaps as a true last hurrah for the power of silent film acting as the medium began to adopt sound and her performance took advantage of what a sound film could be. I'm extremely thankful for the apparently disturbed individual who kept a hold of the last existent copy of the film and hid it away in a silent asylum for half a century. Someone saw this masterpiece and held on to it and they were right. They were damn right. So uh, yeah. the entire movie is on YouTube as well. I just looked it mm. up. Um, I feel like he did. Did Bliss My Dog mean to say he, he wants to believe the latter, not the former? <laughs> mm. <laughs> because it sounds like he's saying, <laughs> "I want to believe that she was bullied." Yeah, by that, the that she was abused. I, I think he's saying the opposite. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, that's that's a fascinating thing, and I mean. I, I, we might end up coming back around to it but it's like maybe the best acting is someone who never acted again someone who <laughs> died almost a hundred years ago so we have no reference for what they're like as a person and maybe <laughs> these things can't actually be judged in their time period and mm. maybe maybe that's the, that's the difference can i jump off what you just said to talk about one of my nominations no Oh, oh, no. That sucks. <laughs> no, sorry. I, I actually wanted to also jump off what he just said, so I think it'd be great if I could go. <laughs> um, the thing you said, Richard, about like not knowing anything about the person mm. enhancing the performance, um, that is very similar to something I've... Um, and, and get your eyes ready to roll, because the film bro is about to give a film bro answer. Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. No, that that's very similar to something I've I've long been saying about um, Heath Ledger's Joker in <sighs> Dark Knight. As the, and I'm not going to necessarily say it's the best acting of all time because it's a very specific kind of acting. It's, 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 but it, I will say it's one of the like if you Google what's the best acting of all time, it is one of the few that like even the most prestigious lists will have from the mm. 21st century. There you go. Um, it does do similar like it 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 does it falsely it's artificial but it does do the same thing as um joan of arc and i've probably talked about this before but like the he to me heath ledger is so unrecognizable in the dark Mm. night he doesn't look like him you never see him without makeup or you do once but even but even that doesn't really look like him yeah Yeah. i mean he doesn't sound like i've ever heard heath ledger talk before i've seen crumbs of behind the scenes footage of him you know being in character 
So, you know, so I've never seen the, uh, someone who looks like that break. Uh, he died before his role could be reprised or before he could be cast in similar roles. And it kind of has the same effect where it feels like the Joker in The Dark Knight is just the Joker in The Dark Knight and not Heath someone Ledger playing is the him. Joker. Yeah, yeah, which isn't true of, I think, any other pe- person to play the, the Joker um, or... Mm. I can't think of many other characters in which that would be true either. So, you know, maybe what it takes to be the best, to be responsible for the best acting is complete unrecognizability and then dying before you <laughs> capitalize <laughs> on what you just did. Or retiring, you know. Mm. Or retiring. Or like, like Gene Hackman yeah. and Welcome to Mooseport <laughs> with Ray Romano. <laughs> uh. So, uh, and Aaron, did you have one one of yours you wanted to to mention? Uh, no, I did not. But I think it was. It's interesting to note that there are probably differences between what is required for silent film acting and what is required for like spoken, mm-hmm. like acting, talking, basically. For yeah, exactly. <laughs> and again, you know, that's that's a strain. <laughs> yeah. What if you have a weird voice? What if what if the actress yeah. who played Joan of Arc had a weird voice? You know, she probably did. It probably sounded all like this because she was from the 1920s. <laughs> Maybe that's why she never. <laughs> I was trying. She would have done fine in the talkies. I'm Arc, see? <laughs> I was trying to replicate Arc, like, more of a timbre than a um, me at the stage, than an see? accent, but I didn't know how to do that. <laughs> she just sounds like a newspaper magnate from the 1920s. <laughs> the year is 1928. I am playing Joan of Arc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so some people uh, mentioned just, and I thought this was an interesting thing that people talked just referenced one scene from their from their choice. Uh, Hopi dot one or Hopi one on Instagram says the scene in Basketball Diaries, nineteen ninety five, where uh, between Leo and the mother, where he asks for money, gives me gives me goosebumps every time. Sorry, I'm oh, slurring my bloody words tonight. Brent from Texas pointed out, uh, I unironically feel like Stallone's breakdown at the end of First Blood is tremendous, especially watching it, knowing what a terrible character he turns into. It's incredibly (laughs) tender and powerful. And some Luca on the Discord said maybe a rote answer. Um, I'm not sure what that, presumably an autocorrect, but uh, maybe a rote answer. But Liam Neeson's breakdown scene at the end of Schindler's List. Um, Yeah, I think it's interesting because the you, you we watch you know oscar movies for this podcast every year and we quite often talk about like the oscar scene and mm. yeah like is the best acting like when we talk about the best acting is the question we're asking are we looking for one scene or one specific moment or are we talking about an entire performance um because i think that you do there are not necessarily like mediocre performances, but there are performances that only really shine in one scene. That's not to say any of these examples. It kind of actually, um, Stallone at First Blood is a great example that it's like, it's a fine performance, but it has one really good moment. And I, I think we'd probably all agree that to crown something the best acting, it would have to be consistent through a project, right? Yeah, I think I'd be inclined to agree with that. I think it's like any kind of piece of art, you know, like if a movie's good for like five minutes, then it's not a good movie. Mm. It's a movie that has a good scene. And also mm. there is something about, I don't know, like the kind of duration of something slowly 
moving you like as you're watching something as something kind mm. of takes you on a journey there's something more fulfilling i think and more kind of uh just like good than you know just like one moment of sugar high and that's it you know mm. whereas like yeah i guess i would say i in preparation for this i watched um dog day afternoon with al pacino in it and, that was um, pretty and it's, <laughs> it's yeah it's on like a lot of those lists that we talk about of best acting of all time so mm. i was like oh well obviously there'll be an oscar scene and i guess there sort of is but really what makes the performance amazing is that it sort of seems he seems like a real person and there's actually no real like kind of massive bravura scene there are definitely like moments of bravura throughout the whole Mm. um movie but yeah there's there was no scene where i was like oh that's it but you know watching his Mm. performance unfold with his peaks and valleys throughout the whole movie was amazing and i think made it a better performance rather than something that has like a that's the oscar scene yeah and i think Mm. you do get like especially with what we're talking about with the way they shoot films out of order that i think seeing a big journey like that even if it's not necessarily you know doesn't have like standout moments i think that is so much more impressive um the the kind of taking that example to its extreme one of the best performances i think in recent memory is eddie redmayne as stephen hawking in the theory of everything because Mm -hmm. that is like not only is that an incredible performance but the the way his condition gets progressively worse and worse is just like so well done throughout the film and then realizing the thing was shot out of sequence that knowing how uh you know far along he needs to be in any given scene is just incredible but that does actually lead me into kind of one of the next big talking points uh, I uh, we have which uh, Scotty doesn't know on Discord said this is genuinely pretty hard. The best acting I've seen in a while was Pam and Tommy. Was in Pam and Tommy, Lily James and Sebastian Stam fucking own it in that show. Although I think TV shows have a slight unfair advantage as actors get to spend more time in the role. So this is an interesting one because Lily James and Sebastian Stan are great as Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee in that show. I just finished it yesterday, and they. The, the thing, though, that and we, we sort of, in preparation for this, we talked a lot about accents would be the big sort of thing that it's like, can you have good acting if you're doing an accent or if you're not doing an accent, uh, which, we can, which we can talk about. But I think specifically with something like, especially there's a lot of buzz around Lily James playing Pamela Anderson in the show, that she's, it's so transformative. You can't see her in it. You can't, she's doing a, perfect impression of pamela anderson's voice and i think sebastian stan is actually doing really good tommy lee as well but a lot of the buzz has been around lily james and you know i think that it's important that a white man gets his um day in the sun but the (laughs) it's not enough to do a podcast about best acting where (laughs) most of the submissions are white men um but i think that yeah you have it's one thing to do an accent but in something like pam and tommy or, um, I mean, you have like Gary Oldman in The Darkest Hour or Jamie Foxx and Ray. These one, these performances that are incredible. But I think it's probably easier to do an impression of, a, of an existing person, right? Rather than creating a new character. Um, so something, even though I guess like the Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker, he's not necessarily, he's not emulating Jack Nicholson as the Joker or anything like that. But- mm-hmm. 
these these ones where you have a metric for how good it is because you can measure it against the real person and see how similar they are. I, I kind of think that even though it's they're the performances that and this this gets me every fucking time I watch a biopic that you watch the performance, especially if it's uh, like the fighter Christian Bale in that movie or um, recently Will Smith and King Richard. You go, those are some weird choices, and then you see the real guy, and you're like, holy shit, it's exactly like him. But I think that yeah, if you're if you're just copying and you're not making those character choices yourself, I think I think that's one that I think we should actually disqualify from being the best acting. Okay, but you are throwing out Philip Seymour Hoffman as Capote. That was the next one I was about to mention. (laughs) That feels like something I wouldn't think you'd want to do. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, tragically, though, one of of my favourite actors um, in the role that won him an Oscar would have to be thrown out here, even though he's doing such a transformative performance and... His, and what he's doing with his voice as well is, is so different from Phyllis Emma Hoffman's normal speaking voice. But I think that it, it's impressions are easy somewhat. Aaron, what, what okay. do you what do you make of this? Well, I think I think blasé impressions are kind of easy, but th- there's definitely undeniably a massive amount of skill required in order to like lift these kind of mannerisms that you've picked up and put them into a text which is like you you don't have like a recording of these people doing this text and you're just like recreating it so there is i think it's yeah it's unfair to say it's just um yeah. imitation i think there's a there's definitely a large amount of artistry behind it but i think you're right i guess in terms of like um judging whether it's good it's mm. sort of easier because you can be like is it like the the actual yeah. thing or not mm. whereas you know you would say about building a performance from scratch is that you know it art is kind of e- in some ways easier to make within parameters like set parameters yeah. if you're put in a box it's kind of e- a little bit easier to make art rather than being like okay you can paint with literally any color in the world and having to like mm. narrow those choices to be like okay i want this one this one and this one and that's how i'm going to create my masterpiece yeah and yeah it's like you using painting as a as a metaphor it's kind of like yeah if i was like paint me a picture of a house i i could tell you how much it looks like a house but if i said paint me a picture you know it, it could be anything and i think that's yeah Especially when art is so subjective that adding some element of subjectivity to it, I think, takes away what we're trying to achieve here on the Cult Popshire podcast. Yeah, and, if you know, it's kind of like the difference between, like, ultra-realism and impressionism in some ways, mm, yeah. you know? That's a good point. Mm. Yeah. Also, I, I am aware as well that what I've just said also disqualifies um, Eddie Redmayne, The Theory of Everything, which I just <laughs> praised. <laughs> I mean, also De Niro as Jake LaMotta. Yeah, De Niro and, as Jake um, LaMotta. Um, Raging you know, Bull. Considered one of, if not the greatest act performances of all time, along with uh, Nicholson and One Flow Over the Cookies Nest. Throw him out. Throw him out. Yeah. No good. <laughs> <laughs> no good. I think his performance in Meet the Parents, where he created that character, <laughs> is a lot better. <laughs> 
Um, we can, if you're wanting to keep Philip Seymour Hoffman in the conversation as well, like him and Joaquin Phoenix in that mm. scene from the the Master, I often show people when they ask me what I think one of the best acted scenes of all time is. Mm. The sort of the the it's not Scientology, but yeah. it's a Scientology test. Um, I think that's an incredible scene, particularly because of those two actors. Yeah, that, that's that's the probably the best acted scene I've ever seen in my life. There you go. Well, I'm glad I said it. Yeah, um, me too. Can I um, tell you guys about a piece of acting that taught me that how to I did. <laughs> that I think is the best. I would, I would humbly like to throw myself into the <laughs> ring here as maybe responsible for the best acting. Um, the year was 2010. I was <laughs> I was in my last year of high school and I'd just written Batman. <laughs> no, I, I was actually in high school when I saw this, so you're not too far off. There's a scene, so I'm, I'm nominating Brian Cranston and specifically in Breaking Bad, mm. and it's not the scene i think people are gonna think of i think if you say crawl space crawl space would be the scene people would think of in breaking bad as as the the brian cranston putting his whole brian brian crussy into (laughs) this performance god that's fun to do um um, but there's a scene the scene that that really woke me up to what acting could be is in the final episode of season three and i'll try to be spoiler light if y'all haven't seen i know breaking bad Because you've told me before. All you need to know is that Brian Cranston, his character is, um, it hasn't been said aloud, but he knows he's about to be executed by his, you know, his dodgy drug dealing colleagues. And he's Mm. begging. He got into a pretty bad crowd. (laughs) (laughs) And he's begging for his life to to not um, not be killed. And his the the that's about. 15 seconds long and it starts with him being like could we go somewhere else could we like acting like he isn't about to be killed right to the point where it's like let's stop pretending you're not going to kill me and let's actually just talk about it and the way he did it is he he's just says can we can we go somewhere else and the, and the guy's like no no gotta go this way and he, and he says please i just want I, if i could speak to our boss if i could speak to him and he's like no no and, and then i'll remember this for the rest of my life <laughs> walter white brian cranston goes please just listen to me and it's this moment that just blew me away because it it's like it woke me up to the the threshold between acting and being reacting. just real re- reacting right <laughs> because and 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 like i'm not i'm not trying to claim like i became a better actor for watching the scene but you can tell That's now when <laughs> <laughs> when when watching um i don't know i was in you know doing drama in high school at the time and you can tell the difference between someone acting pleading for their life and it's just like no, don't kill me. And someone actually like <laughs> stuck in there, you know, and I've seen it happen on sets I've been on where someone has, has clearly not acted before and then has been coached by the director to actually cross the threshold and inhibit and embody the character in that moment. And I think that is something people don't realize when they start out acting. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I wanted to mention that because that's probably the most significant piece of acting in my life personally i think that one scene yeah no that, 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 that's thank you for sharing that aj i do want mm. on the the flip side of of these kind of like life-changing especially single scene ones uh there's a few people that sort of 
talk about understated performances and Mm -hmm. this is this is interesting because it's you know especially if you look at things like the academy or um you know whoever awards emmys that they tend not to recognize these um these smaller performances that are kind of less obvious uh the, the the one we talk about the that we talked about that was actually up for an academy award was in 2017 when um the when gary Oldman won for darkest hour he was up against timothy chalamet and call me by your name which i, I would put as one of my p- favorite performances which is such an understated personal performance but it mm-hmm. still is a very like he's putting everything out on the line there's there's oscary scenes in that especially at the end of the film but uh, Bill Pre from Michigan points out that I thought Miles Teller was fantastic in Whiplash, but many, many people focused on more on J.K. Simmons due to his role being more flashy. Along the same vein, Alex Wolf was absolutely fantastic in Pig, despite the focus being on Cage. There's Nicholas Cage again, um, who he points out was also phenomenal. Sophia Lillis in It Part One, well, and, and Part Part Two. I just put I just said Part One so that I wasn't just saying Sophia Lillis in It. Um, Sophia, Sophia Lillis, Lillis in it. In it. <laughs> uh, Acting. <laughs> we can do accents. <laughs> uh, as a whole, I'm always most impressed with super believable performances over big performances, if that makes sense. And Scotty Doesn't mm-hmm. Know uh, just sort of credits the entire idea of Jason Bateman. He has made a career out of, <laughs> of playing the same character over and over across different genres and somehow manages to make it work in almost every project he's in. I think he's made his life's work to perfect the ultimate straight man character. I agree with the assessment of Jason yeah. Bateman, the the Hollywood's best straight man. And he won- Best in the business. He won an, an award for directing an episode of Ozark, which he, it's great if you watch the, you know, when, the, when they announce his name, he's like genuinely dumbfounded. I think he was shocked to be nominated, you know, and <laughs> like one of the most sincere, like, I wasn't expecting this awards, you'll see. But I saw an interview with him where he was talking about directing. And he said that, like, because he's aware, obviously, he plays the straight man and that's what he's good at. And they said, you know, how was it transitioning to uh, into directing? And he says, well, my entire career, it's been my job to not have the focus on myself and to facilitate a better actor out of the, a better performance out of the person I'm acting opposite. So putting that into directing was a pretty natural thing. And I thought that was such like an interesting and like great assessment from him. And what a great like understanding of the role of the straight man, like knowing that Mm. you're not supposed in any given scene in Arrested Development, he's not supposed to be the best character or the best performance in that scene. And it's his job to get it out of everyone else. And maybe that's the best acting knowing when not to be. I would love if this podcast ended with us crowning Jason Bateman <laughs> as responsible for the best acting. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a really good point to bring up. And while we're on the subject, uh, Jessica Walter as Lucille in Arrested Development oh, yeah. is one of my favorite comedic performances of all time. I think she is incredible in that show and, and has always been my favorite character of all the all the Bluths. Um, and I was, I was really sad when she passed away last year because mm. she's... I just love her so much in that show. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd be remiss if while we were talking about understated characters as well, that if I didn't mention Charlie Swan, Billy Burke as Charlie Swan in the Twilight of movies. Course. Incredible, impeccable performance, possibly the best acting. <laughs> and 
Uh, according to Richard Martin. According to Richard Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's also interesting. Uh, Mike Noyes commented, um, this might sound like a silly suggestion, but Tom Hanks in The Burbs. It's classic classic comedy Hanks at the top level, and his mental breakdown at the end is great. Like, it could have been in an Oscar reel comedy, never gets enough love during awards season. I think it'd be interesting to talk about comedic performances, if anyone has any uh, that come to mind or that they'd written down uh, because mm. you know people you people like oh, charlie chaplin i think said it that it's like it's you know anyone can make someone cry but it takes a genius to make them laugh or something along mm. those lines and yeah aaron as as someone who's who's chosen to make acting their their profession what do you think about the uh comedy versus drama debate I think, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, definitely drama is seen as more prestigious than comedy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you think about there's a lot of actors who kind of, a lot of the top tier most love actors kind of start out as comic actors. Mm. Like you think of Olivia Coleman, you think of um, oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Um, like well, a Jason lot of these- Bateman's on his way there as well, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. While we're talking Tom about Hanks as well. Mm. There's something about, like, learning how comedy works. Because I guess, I mean, I don't know that much about comedy, but I would say it's, oh, like, funny, at the huh? heart of it's actually... Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> um, yeah, at the heart of it... Funny looking! <laughs> <laughs> See, the timing there is what's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Barely in time. <laughs> See, Aaron, if you knew about comedy, you'd have known that was coming. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's something about comedy and comic acting that's like very structural and very kind of time-based. So you understand the kind of beats of... A performance and so if you're able to kind of transport those to a higher plane of like you know sad acting you should say <laughs> yeah. um you know like those actors can kind of take it places that is like unexpected or things that you know your leading men or your leading people probably couldn't do because you know a they're not weird bastards who get into comedy mm. just like handsome people and also yeah. like yeah b because they like maybe don't understand the craft as much as some comedic actors do Mm. Yeah, and I think that that you get a lot of great performances from comedic actors doing drama, but it's it's rarer to see the other way around. You see, like obviously, people like Tom Hanks or like Michael Keaton. You go back and you watch the early films, and you go like, "Shit, this guy was was really funny," uh, and before he just pivoted to pretty much solely doing drama. But then, yeah, the performances where it, it like you, it's rare to see someone later in their career uh, like after they've only established themselves as a dramatic actor to then really shine in comedy like leslie nielsen is the classic example who did it so well that people forgot he was a dramatic actor and uh, some other one i tommy lee jones and um men in black is mm, yeah. great great performance in there but but then even then he's playing with the fact that he's so serious and he's playing the straight man mm. yeah channing tatum maybe is yeah. a good example yeah. Channing Tatum, Tom Cruise, and Tropic Thunder. That's a, yeah. that's one always people go to. Like, surprised he was this funny. Yeah, I also think that you get a lot of. Um, uh, it's interesting. Like Channing Tatum's kind of an example of this. Of like, um, and uh, to me, the the best example is Brad Pitt. That it's like a character actor trapped in a leading man's body. Where it's like the, your bread and butter, like Brad Pitt's done amazing performances and, uh, you know, Twelve Monkeys, um, Once. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All time in Hollywood. But you think about, when you think of classic Brad Pitt roles, it's not like your name above the title starring Brad Pitt. It's like, it's it's either a two-header or like an ensemble film, or he's very much the supporting role. Uh, I mean, yeah, you think of, I mean, like Moneyball is probably his best movie where it's like a name above the title kind of one. Um, but I mean, the yeah, things like World War Z are actually not like his his best performances. Yeah, um, things like yeah, Twelve Monkeys, as I said, Mister and Mrs. Smith, even um, Ocean's, Burn Ocean's After movies, Reading, Burn After Reading. Yeah, the the probably the most impressed I've been from a comedic performance in recent years, and I did bring this up on our last Oscars run from from last year, is probably Maria Bakalova in Borat 2, a a movie I love that I always bring up. Mm. I think that's my funniest characteristic, is is that I always bring up Borat 2. But, like, and, and, you know, jumping off off that that place into, like, Sasha Baron Cohen and this docu-sploitation style Mm. in general, I think is not only very always very funny acting but it's also very brave acting Mm. because it's it is like i couldn't do it right it's it's like you're trying to be funny (laughs) you're trying to be funny you're all but you're also um dealing with the the social tension of doing this around real people Mm. and putting yourself in danger and that's why like um, I think, and still being able to make us laugh, and and making a cohesive narrative yeah. out of it as well. I think that's why that's what impressed me so much about Maria Bakalova is just like, Jesus Christ, who is this person? Like, I I'm used to seeing Sasha Baron Cohen do this, but like mm. someone who no one's ever really seen in anything before comes along and does it like just as well as him. And I was so stoked she got nominated for best best mm. supporting actress. And I it's 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 like a flash of what the nominations would look like if comedy was recognized more. I think. Mm. Yeah, people talk about the this idea of acting being like living truthfully under imaginary circumstances and that's kind of yeah you would have mm. to say that some of the the performances or comedic performances that sit in the ridiculous realm are sort of all the more impressive because it's like mm. you, you can't you, you know you surely you don't believe that you're this weird dude from um kazakhstan mm. doing like a, <laughs> a documentary mm. on the the uh american life yeah mm, so exactly. what would you say that it's living living truthfully in ridiculous circumstances uh so yeah the 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 idea of acting is sorry not ridiculous under um imaginary circumstances the kind of what makes borat great is that it's like Mm. living ridiculously in truthful circumstances (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) so uh to kind of 
blend the topic of Borat and uh, Tom Hanks, <laughs> though. As uh, we so often find ourselves doing. Tom <laughs> Hanks was actually in Borat too. Well, yeah, well, yeah, you could true. almost see him, you know, his performance from The Terminal, you could almost see that character there. <laughs> we've, <laughs> did, we've talked about we've that talked about on that. when we did The Terminal. <laughs> yeah, I my name is Tom Hanks. <laughs> I have no country. <laughs> we did the terminal for our Patreon podcast and was basically like, holy shit, this He's is Tom Hanks' Borat. Um, <laughs> but Brent from Texas uh, on the Discord uh, said, I woke up thinking about this question and my first thought was to find a good comedy to showcase it. Tom Hanks also came to mind for the terminal. This is in reply to Mike. Uh, absolutely charming. No big moments of flourish, but I never really thought, oh, that's Tom Hanks while watching the movie. I was completely sold on this oafish, befuddled Krakosian. Best acting doesn't have to mean most acting. Hell, Woody in Toy Story deserves a nod too. Uh, is it worth mentioning uh, voiceover performances? Um... I think, I think, in terms of like, I mean, we did, we did, we did a big chat about a silent performance. What about the opposite? Mm. Well, yeah, I guess like it's it feels like it should be absolutely have its own episode, mm. but like, but also kind of unfair to judge it in the same zone. Yeah, well, I think because Seth MacFarlane would win. Seth MacFarlane would win. <laughs> and um, Ted. Seth MacFarlane and Ted <laughs> is the best acting. <laughs> Um, I don't know, just like the idea of like the, you know, what's the best voice acting could fill its own. We could apply all of these categories almost mm. to voice acting silent itself voice as well. Acting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the best silent voice acting. Like, I also um, thought uh, Jack Whitehall in Frozen. What does he do? Uh, he's He was cut out of the film. <laughs> like, <laughs> his character, like, yeah, he, he ended up being like a... A, a non-vocal appearance in an animated film <laughs> amazing or, or john ratzenberger and soul is another one he got cut out or he uh, just was it, literally it, a silent character he's you know they use his voice in every pixar movie but in soul there's a character that's designed based on him but he doesn't speak mm. nice. there's um you could go like um george clooney when he voiced the dog in south park and all he did oh, yeah. was bark <laughs> That's most convincing right. dog hey what do you guys think about um uh acting in foreign languages do you think that i hate it <laughs> <laughs> just like you know do you think that the we can ever experience a performance like, like will it ever be as good to us if we can't truly appreciate it yeah yeah um mm. yeah you're, t- you're talking about people that are acting in their and their native tongue, but it's yeah, tongues. exactly, yeah, because yeah. obviously there are performances where people like um, even um, Stephen Yeun and Manari was only like really. I, I don't think he learned Korean specifically for that movie, but it's a, it's not his native um, language. He well, it's his native language. He wasn't <laughs> uh, raised speaking Korean, but um, yeah, the, 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 a few people did say foreign language um, uh, performances. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen and the Hunt was uh, suggested by John Monson, Josh Monson on Facebook. Josh um, and among some other oh, ones. He's going to message us about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He's going to be talking for hours. Um, I I would uh, submit uh, Yonya Jung for Minari, who plays the grandmother, um, just mm-hmm. in one of those incredible performances. And I think there's a specific type of performance as well where it's the ones where you I forget you're not like that in real life. 
Mm-hmm. And that's definitely one of them that when you see her in real life, you're like, oh shit, that's right. Uh, yeah, Mads Mikkelsen of the Hunt, ab- fucking incredible performance. Uh, Martin Field 74 on Instagram, who is my dad, uh, <laughs> said, <laughs> uh, so this is among a couple other ones, but uh, said, in order, this is best acting, in order. Uh, Patrick Trufton as Father Brennan in The Omen, 1976. Uh, Marion Cotillard in La Vie en Rose, which is in French. And Al Pacino in Godfather 2, which we've covered on the podcast and is an incredible performance as well uh one that it's a, a character that's insane he never won an oscar for playing um mm. yeah yeah one of the, one of the all-time great performances one that you, th- you you'd think couldn't be outdone in the first one but then is in the second one um, then he does himself and also actually um bliss on my dog as well suggested uh christoph waltz in inglorious bastards which was I, I think that's definitely in the, in the conversation for greatest performances of all time that mm-hmm. he's in like three different languages. It's a character Quentin Tarantino thought he was going to have to throw out the whole script because it was an impossible character to play. And not only did he find someone that could do that, but ended up finding, you know, one of the, the greatest actors to, to play. Mm. Um, yeah. Did you have a suggestion for this one, Aaron? Um, yeah, I did actually. Have you ever seen any of Toshiro Mifune's stuff? He was like the kind of lead actor in a lot of Akira Kurosawa's um, movies. Uh, yeah, actually, I think someone may have suggested. Yeah, Tosh- uh, uh, in Rashomon. Um, that wasn't the one I was going to suggest, but yeah, um, amazing actor, incredible actor. Mm. Um, and apparently one time he like based one of his characterizations or his characters on just like a tiger yeah <laughs> best acting <laughs> he didn't even know he was a tiger <laughs> <laughs> he was playing a tiger um, um, but yeah, yeah Greg from the USA actor. said um, Tashira Mifune in Rashomon you could argue some of the choices push into overacting and I'd understand but I think differentiating the versions of the scene in big ways works to the film benefit um, it's if you don't know Rashomon it's one of the ones that's a bunch of people telling their perspective of the story so there's slight alterations every time uh, recently mm-hmm. done with the last duel I believe mm. are we sorry were you finished Aaron oh I was gonna also bring up just like sort of st- it's sort of off that comment the idea of like stylistic differences between acting and you would say that's mm. in some ways that's kind of sometimes cultural in the sense that like mm. Western mm. acting has an ideal of what acting should be, and that's not necessarily the same for a lot of other parts of the world. So, yeah, like whether something being too over the top or too much, you know, it, it, does that disqualify it from being good acting? Because, like, you know, it might sit well within the reality of the film it is in, but is mm. like that's not how people look in real life. Yeah, that's that's like truth of the text, I guess, and and I mean to get pretentious. But um, as well, yeah. that it's like, I mean, if you know, if we're talking it's back to like Stanislavski, that yeah, you know, is a performance in a bricked <laughs> play, any, any better or worse, just by virtue of how the play is presented, um, mm. because Brechtian theatre is a lot more like you, you, you're never supposed to forget you're watching acting and actors, mm. right? Yeah. Mm. Are we just throwing out random? Well, I was going to say just, just just following on from um, uh, following on from what Aaron said about the sort of eccentricities. Uh, Matt from the Snoke Jar on Discord 
Uh, it pointed out an interesting one that I've put in the category camp, which is uh, Raul Julia going above and beyond as M. Bison and that Street Fighter movie is a performance that I'll always love. And that's, that's <laughs> one that people always point out as being like, this movie is garbage, but he's phenomenal in it because you right. like one of those things that, and I think it's what's, um, you know, what's best for the text is, mm-hmm. is the sort of thing that, I mean, yeah, he's he's acting circles around everyone else, but he's having a lot of fun. He's hamming it up, and yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I don't think camp or comedic even performances should necessarily be disqualified um, because no. there's still, you know, you're still you're st- they're still getting over the uh, what's the word like the insecurity and the the self awareness and just going full on and, and and being able to do that not everyone can do hmm. it i'm really worried you're convincing me with this commitment to the part line as being like a crucial thing to the acting because i'm like i'm coming around to it and it also makes me think <laughs> oh god maybe we are gonna crown nicholas cage as best acting <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though because i know that um like aaron and i full transparency aaron and i well, I was going to say we met at acting school. We actually met slightly before that. Also, fun fact about me and Aaron. I sat in front of him at Pirates of the Caribbean 3 um, like four or five years before we actually met each other. Um, but How do you know that? Uh, he, yeah, I, how uh, how so, did we figure that out? Um, I remembered that when I <laughs> went to see it, I sat behind this guy, Tim, that I knew um, from intermediate or primary school. And then I remember talking to you and you said you went to see it with him. And I was like, you must have been the guy he was with when oh I was God. sitting in front of him. Um, and yeah, this was yeah, at least like four years before we actually met each other. Um, <laughs> which is <laughs> fun fact. Um, but the universe fact, was trying to put us together, eh? Yeah. Mm. But the, the I remember this being the kind of thing and the way that you and I look at acting when it, you know, when we're doing it is that I remember being in the green room and it was like, you would have a scene together kind of thing. And it was like, Aaron, Aaron needs to think about his whole life before he performs. <laughs> like, do he <laughs> um, But it was like, yeah, you would sit there silently or you'd listen to music, whatever, and, and really take that time to get into character. I will be Richard Martin until I, and walking through the curtains <laughs> like um and i mean you pursued acting as a career and i didn't so you know what does that say but i, I i've never really bought into the idea that you need to do that kind of method acting i like method acting in the sense that it's like if you're supposed to be carrying something heavy in a scene carry something heavy you know um hmm. but again that's just because <laughs> like, that's probably just because i'm lazy um and it's like <laughs> Well, I don't want to have to act like I'm carrying something. I'll just carry it. Nah, there is definitely differences. Like whenever I watch ads and I can like, you can tell that someone doesn't have liquid in a cup. It, yeah, or it someone doesn't know how, doesn't actually know how to repair a car. Yeah. Shut yeah. up. <laughs> the liquid in the cup thing's like... They just... didn't make me actually repair it. It's me turning away from repairing it. <laughs> yeah, the liquid I mean, in the you cup didn't thing learn. Is, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like a so safety easy. thing. Yeah, but, yeah, but, the, but they it, even... There are bean bags. You can buy little bean bags yeah, that they put, put in something in cups. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> put something in it. 
Um, but yeah, I would also say that part of the reason why I need to take so much time to get ready is because I don't know, man, it doesn't come as easy to me as it probably does to you. So, oh, it's, right, I've so it's actually because I'm like, a better actor than you. That's yeah, why. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do, do you know what I think is actually the hardest part of acting and what I would happily crown best acting? Um, too, is just um fucking remembering your lines. <laughs> That's the hardest part to me. And if I could just have the lines, I would be so much more willing to experiment and push myself and try stuff. But it's like both I not not remembering the lines and not having the discipline to remember the lines to actually like memorize them. Yeah. I'm so um, glad you is, brought is what this makes up. it so hard to me. <laughs> yeah, because I think a lot of these amazing performances that you kind of talk about as being incredible performances a la uh, the scene in the master etc etc is that like actually a lot of those scenes have improvisation in them and so Mm. what kind of lifts them being you know from being kind of stagnant scenes of like people delivering lines is the fact that you know they've been opened up to the space where they can improvise so it feels fresh and it actually feels like people are reacting to each other because instead of Mm. just two people learning a script it's like well i don't know what the guy's gonna say next so i gotta be here ready to react well i Mm. think maybe that the best acting shouldn't have any improvisation because learning lines is hard (laughs) 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 Um, and because you're kind of cheating yeah no to be fair i've I've always found learning lines so easy and i i hate when people complain about it because it's like (laughs) or when i'm working with actors and they don't know their lines or the gist of their lines i'm like it's i I know your lines (laughs) i don't know what it is it's just it's because it's the one part i can't just instinctively do Mm. like i can i can try different you know deliveries of lines and i i can take direction and i and i can like attempt things but if it when it comes to like it's like doing silent acting is so much better for me because that that's acting i can do where i could just be like yeah whatever so you know like it's all experimenting it's all yeah working as a as a director though i find yeah that that lines are so much less important um than the essence of a seed, like like Aaron's saying, that it's 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 knowing your character so well that you can improvise in character, uh, which there's a difference between that and like improv comedy, where it's like it's improv comedy is more like think of a joke and then say it in character, whereas this is mm. like how would your character actually react to this? And uh, not, imagine if not, we not crowned best acting comedy. to to just the improv comics of the world. Yeah. <laughs> this one's for the you. Friday night, late night improv from all over the world. That's the best acting. But yeah, the, I I think that there's obviously you know circumstances where it's like you need to nail this line because it's important later on or whatever mm. or you know. Um, but yeah, I think that yeah, I'm I'm, I'm probably much more impressed by yeah people imp- improvising in. In character, yeah. Hmm. I've been reading um, a book recently uh, by about Sanford Meisner, who is like kind of one of the leading proponents of like character doesn't exist. Um, you're just playing yourself, hmm. and um, he was talking about how the script really is like kind of the words of a song. And then, you know, the performance or whatever is kind of like the music underneath and like the melody and all of those things. So you think about like, you know, the difference between someone speaking lyrics to you and the like massive difference between that and a finished song. Mm -hmm. And so the art of like acting is kind of that, you know, what do you do with this dry kind of Mm. thing on a page is the like 
is the thing about acting is the choices you make about this thing and how you're going to present it and how you're going to bring this thing that's on a page to life basically mm. Mm. Right yeah on. another sort of interesting thing um that i guess yeah, comes up with talking about like truth and whatnot is and this i think is one of the sort of big things as well is like that how well you know the person or like or the, you know their public persona uh, then seeing them in a film and if you know that they're super different from that does that make it better acting because you know there's there's no yeah. truth in it you know or, or what do you want to say but um yeah talking about people playing against type uh, because you know we don't actually truly know these these actors um usually unless you know we crown the best acting um aj from the ad <laughs> because i know he can't <laughs> fix a car in real life um but the yeah you know what we we have to work with what we what we have which is their other art so uh, people playing against type is usually what it's often, you know, crowned that people talk about being the best performances. Heath Ledger is a great example as the Joker. But uh, Huberdu on Discord mentioned Hugh Jackman and Prisoners, I thought was excellent. Actually, basically everyone in that. Um, and Matt from the Snoke Jar says, Tom Cruise is absolutely incredible and collateral as this cold-blooded killer that's basically a shark in a human skin suit. But if you were to tell me that that's what Tom Cruise is actually like, I'd believe it in a heartbeat. And I think that's an interesting <laughs> thing because he's playing against type, but I think that's uh, directed by Michael Mann. You take a director who understands why people are put off by Tom Cruise and using that to his advantage i think that um the safety brothers and paul thomas anderson have done this really well with adam sandler his best performances and uncut gems and punch drunk love respectively are like this is these are people who understand why people don't like adam sandler and it's like we'll have him play the turned up to 11 version of what people don't like what mm. they see in him so in uncut gems he's playing just this greasy slimy disgusting stinky. <laughs> a stinky man and then uh, in punch drunk love he's playing this immature man child and punch drunk love although it's a comedy it is like well what would a person like this actually be like and yeah i think that uh, yeah while although it's playing against type i think there's something really fun with seeing a director bring a performance like that out of someone collateral is a great example that it's people don't like tom cruise because he seems so soulless and so it's like well what would a soulless person actually be like they'd be a fucking killer you know mm. pta has done that similar thing with tom cruise as well in magnolia yeah absolutely. which is also probably tom cruise's best performance for my money mm, I'd yeah. say, in magnolia yeah absolutely i think i'm inclined to agree with this line of thinking i was thinking about this earlier on in the day of like you know the there has to be some sort of like movement away from who you are yeah. in order for it to be like the best acting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Or, or embracing who you're afraid you are. Right. <sighs> yeah. Such, yeah. such, such as the case with someone like Tom Cruise, mm. you know, like something like that is more, well, there's, a, there's think- a self-awareness and there's, there's, there's digging into a darker part of yourself. There's a part in, in um, daddy's home too. Where Mel Gibson um, makes oh, like a sexist so comment, good. such a good movie, right? And and it it hits in the film because you know Mel Gibson is a sexist man. So what are some examples? There's there's got to be like a quintessential one that I'm not thinking of. Uh, Edward Norton like, and Birdman. 
Sure. Playing yeah, yeah. An we're incredibly an actor. difficult to work with actor. <laughs> where an actor plays the like worst version of who they supposedly really are, and it leaves you going, "Do they know that they're in this? I, <laughs> Do they know that?" <laughs> um, I just want to say, I th- how I'm very proud of myself for pulling out even not in a bit. No, it's great. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a perfect example. Um, but yeah, like like the the example of like, yeah, like. I've I've seen performances and none are coming to mind beyond what we've already said. Where an actor has done something. Kevin Spacey in American Beauty playing a closeted like gay man. <laughs> um, I yeah, where I've basically been like, I can't believe he agreed to do this. Like it's so, it's so hurts his reputation. It so goes against everything people think about. You know, would want to think about this this actor, but he's like embracing it and. And making pe- taking people there and making them think about it. Mm. Um, Will Smith is an egotistical prick who um, <laughs> is protective of his family. In, <laughs> In Fresh Prince. An independent state. <laughs> his family being Earth. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, kind of like, user. in some ways, there the, the needs a sort of destruction of the ego in order for like the performance mm. to take place, which I guess is sort of what we also talk about is, you know, people shifting themselves away from themselves is that like, it, mm. it, it, you detach yourself from your ego because you're like, no, I actually don't give a fuck if I look good on camera. I just want to give this performance y'all. Yeah, which mm. is actually, it's interesting because although there hasn't been a lot of them in this episode, that quite often when... Uh, you're talking about like the best female performances of all time. It's there's usually um you know, Charlize Theron and Monster. Um, I can't think of another top of my head, but like these, these <laughs> Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice. Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice. Uh, even something like as a podcast I was listening to, Caitlin Olsen and Always Sunny. That the performances that you really like, these are incredible female performances. They they're always like they're not concerned about looking pretty, you know. Um, which is <laughs> you know there's all these problems notwithstanding, but it is like that you, you the the destruction of the ego that you're putting the performance first, and I think. Um, with men, we assume, or we as society, not the three of us, um, that you know, with men, we assume they're going to do this anyway. Whereas with women, they're like, but women are supposed to just be pretty. And then, so when they're not, you're like, damn. Yeah. I think they were talking to Jessica Chastain about this for, cause she just recently won the Oscar for eyes with Tammy Faye. And she mm. said it was quite a difficult decision for her to do the part because she had to wear such heavy makeup on her face. Like every day she knew mm. that it would like, basically increase the amount of lines or like sort of sagging in her face and you know there was this kind of awareness that you know she kind of has to look beautiful in order to like get roles in hollywood so it was sort of a a gamble of like well i'm gonna ruin my looks for this performance which you know may be well received it may not be well received you know yeah but like the the exact thing i brought it up last year on the oscars podcast is that uh, Francis McDormand for Nomadland that any other actor or any other actress they would say people would be like she de-glamorized herself for the role one incredible dedication but Francis McDormand's never not that you know she's I'm not saying like, oh she's already so but it's like she's not someone who's ever really concerned herself with playing that game you know and so it's an incredible performance. She won an Oscar for it, but the discussion around it wasn't just about how she looked. Um, 
because mm. she's never really bought into the Hollywood system like that. Did you see the Onion article this week that was like, Academy condemns Will Smith for most violent action taken at the Oscars since Francis McDormand gunned down 43 in 1996? <laughs> 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 it's funny. That is funny. It didn't um, actually happen, in case anyone's wondering what, what that's talking about. <laughs> right, so um, it was just a lie then. It was just a lie, just as acting. <laughs> the best acting is actually from the onion. From the onion article, yeah. Um, I'm th- I'm wondering if the example, the quintessential example I was thinking of is maybe Adam Sandler and Funny People, which I'm not saying is a good performance. It's more oh, just yeah. has has Adam Sandler seen Funny People? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, do you know why people hate you? <laughs> <laughs> so the last kind of uh, I would say category that i was able to sort of put these into uh i'll I'll, I'll do the shit post first some people just said um that ones uh the underscore phil parks on instagram said will slapping chris shrugging shoulders scott brown on facebook said not jared leto uh neither (laughs) of those very helpful but thank you for those that does contrast against artuno's post on the discord yeah where they said in all seriousness there's many examples we can go off the more recent ones that comes to mind are jared leto and the dark knight and then upon questioning replied jared leto is amazing what are you talking about but luckily before anyone could explode said i'm kidding i'm stoned at the moment thank you for correcting me (laughs) (laughs) um they also pointed out leonardo dicaprio and django who famously Mm -hmm. uh cut his hand but oh he wins he wins. <laughs> he wins. He kept he wins. acting, Richard. He kept, he kept acting. acting. Um, uh, Christopher John Maruka on Instagram said, what I presume is a shit post, uh, Vin Diesel and Triple X because he performed his own stunts. Um, but I do think, though, the performing your own stunts thing is an interesting talking point because, mm. yeah, it's like, is is that better acting? Like that full willingness to risk your put your life on the line for for your stunts i mean obviously tom cruise i would say is like the king of this that it's you know seems to value an entertaining stunt over his own life to no end uh on the flip side of this though however you have um, danny trejo who refuses to do his own stunt well doesn't refuse he doesn't do his own stunts um saying you know i don't need to prove that i have cojones just to you know so like put my life on the line because he understands that if i get hurt and i'm the lead in a film that shuts down the film for weeks it's someone's job to do that so if they get hurt like it's their job um which you know i think is a just an interesting talking point but yeah i just thought that was interesting that i was like well this is obviously a shit post and i was like well actually you know the the actually risking life and limb is that better acting And it's pro- but also you got to think that probably a movie where you're doing stunts is largely unlikely to land you an Oscar, except for you know probably The Dark Knight or something like that. But you know, mm. like does which, it which barely lands you an Oscar? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you have to die. Superhero movie that was undenominated. Um, it feels like by acknowledging stunts, though, we're dangerously close to giving Tom Cruise the crown for best best acting. Because mm. he'll be the one that's that's probably done, yeah. You know, probably most famous for doing his own stunts. Uh, one uh, that I'm uh, the the last sort of category I said that I've got that I was able to group more than one comment into that I think is interesting talking about is like specificities, um, and so because mm-hmm. this is one thing that I think that 
you tend to stay with you about a performance. So Sam Stanley on Facebook says, having various mental impairments myself, portrayals of them particularly stand out to me, like when Forrest Gump realizes he's a father to Joaquin's demonstration of ticks as the Joker. Um which uh, there's obviously he's, there should be a comma be, in there should be a comma but that's a very funny thing like my favourite moment of Forrest Gump <laughs> is when he realised that his son is Joaquin's demonstration of ticks as the Joker <laughs> <laughs> can I go and play with him <laughs> is he the Joker <laughs> I feel voice acting it gets overlooked such as Amy Poehler's range in Inside Out or Steve Bloom and Cowboy Bebop we've talked about um, voice acting a little bit um, and then yeah Mike Noyes on the Discord this is start, sort of both but Naomi Watts and Mulholland Drive which she goes to the audition and acts with the creepy old actor when the film starts it feels like she's not a good actor but as the film goes on you realise it's all about specific choices and it all works so well one of the sort of talking about specificities of an actor um who was it before mentioned it uh Huberdu on discord mentioned Hugh Jackman and prisoners that uh Jake Gyllenhaal and prisoners is some of the most like mm. specific choices as an actor that I've seen and that character just stuck with me so much it's like the way he blinks his eyes is and the, the whole his the cadence of his voice was completely changed it's like he still sounds like uh Jake Gyllenhaal but it's like the rhythm of his voice is has has such a specificity to it and also jake gyllenhaal and nightcrawler as well is worth a shout out yeah yeah and and prisoners i feel like jake gyllenhaal's performance in that is evidence of a person who's lived an entire life and wasn't just conceived as a character for the film Mm. like the the, like you say the way he blinks and the way he talks feels like it's like because of something that happened to him in childhood you know it's lived in yeah feels lived in um craig from tpe also uh said uh this is such a craig answer uh but cheryl lee's performance in twin peaks fire walk with me is some of the most powerful raw acting ever filmed it is a breathtaking intense and harrowing portrayal of an absolutely tragic character which has only grown more powerful over the past 30 years incredible um yeah so that's um the laura palmer from twin peaks the 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 girl who they find murdered in the first episode but it's you know a lot of a lot of um incredible performances from her across the series yeah oh, yeah um i'll just go through the rest of the the comments we had and then we can have kind of a general discussion about what we've learned i think so mm-hmm. cheese on discord said denzel and malcolm x um Zek from Southeast England said ScarJo on Adam Driver and Marriage Story were fantastic. Uh, Huberto agreed her and Jojo Rabbit too, I thought, her being Scarlett Johansson. Also, Wilm Defoe and Boondock Saints, which is a really interesting choice that fits, I guess, more into the camp category. But there's that great soundbite of Wilm Defoe talking about his character in Boondock Saints being like, he's, he's gay and he likes <laughs> classical music. And there, there's just so many things that are interesting about him. <laughs> And it's like clearly it took off this, on this, this garbage film he doesn't give a shit about, but it's Will Defoe. So it's like he does he does care about her, but it's like, oh, what drew you to this character, or what what makes this character so interesting? It's like he's gay and he likes classical music. Isn't it funny that um, so Zeke from Southeast England said ScarJo and Adam Driver and Marriage Story were fantastic. Huberdo, as you said, Richard replied with her and Jojo Rabbit too. I thought, and you specified he's talking about ScarJo, but she's also in a movie called, called her, her, where yeah. she plays. <laughs> the her the titular her so like it, it almost reads like Huberdo just thinks that um 
that Scarlet Johansson's like name is her. Jack on Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Wolverine yeah. And, and Jojo Rabbit <laughs> in the Prestige. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Cheese also said uh, Defoe and Pattinson on the Lighthouse. That's very big, big acting. Yeah. Uh, General Bison on Instagram, which I actually think is a reference to the um, the Street Fighter character played by Raul Julia, mm. says my favorite performance. Uh, my all-time favorite performance is Ben Kingsley in Sexy Beast. That role is transformational. If you haven't seen it, pop it in and prepare to be both transfixed and terrified by his character. Amazing film in many aspects, but Kingsley really makes it an all-time favorite of mine. Hmm. I've only seen clips of that film. We've just shown it at, at um, film school, but um, maybe I should watch the whole thing. Hmm. Uh, Greg from the USA says, I love Malcolm McDowell in A Clockwork Orange. I think it's easy to play narcissistic and broad strokes, but there's a lot of specificity to his character. Maybe I should have put those under specificities. Uh, Choices that he's especially come across in the later half, the latter half of the movie, to make it so memorable, it's kind of a cop out to go, but Shakespeare to go Shakespeare, but Richard Breer's this, this is a different thought. Sorry, yeah, so. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll just put an enter in there. Uh, it's kind of a cop out to go Shakespeare, but Richard Breer's as Leonardo and uh, Much Ado About Nothing is just such joy to watch. Aside from, I think, a little bit too much on the Let Her Die line, everything he does in that movie just feels so convincing and lived in. If you have to put a caveat, it's not the best acting. I'm sorry, Greg. Um, Kathy Bates in Misery <laughs> is just so, so good. Uh, just genuinely chilling in such a believable way. This distillation of American religious frenzy and hypocrisy without turning from a character into a metaphor. It's a good line. Yeah, the almighty watcher agreed that in the same vein, whoever played Dolores Umbridge, that was Melda Staunton, did a bang up job. And I think yeah, there is there is again. It's it's one of those um, like I said before the you forget that the person's not like this. That it's like ruined Imelda Staunton for me. <laughs> that that um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're seeing her or anything else, I'm like, God, that, that bitch. Um, Hmm. yeah and and that that's specific type of hatred as well for that character um olivia coleman does it in fleabag as well that it's like the this the the character you hate so much but someone could quite easily watch that and not understand why you hate them (laughs) it's like that's such Hmm. a specific type or or like or if you knew them in real life someone could come along and be like why do you hate that person they're lovely and it's like no, you don't. You don't understand. You don't see it. Well, it's the same with um, uh, Nurse Ratched and um, One Flew mm, Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Fletcher. Um, that, yeah, yeah, that's um, that's an example of a, of a villain who nev- never does anything explicitly villainous, but you can tell as the villain the whole time. Mm. I say until the end. I should say. Yeah. Um, um, did I you guys have that, any? Yeah, yep. Any other ones written down? Yeah. Did you guys have any other ones written down that you wanted to give shout outs to? Any other examples of what um, you think is one that I haven't seen, but is considered one of the greatest of all time, and I'd be remiss not to mention is Sydney Poitier in the Heat of the Night. Um, that's just like mm-hmm. you know one of the the greatest black actors of all time, um, and what's usually in one of the top five uh, roles that there's probably people listening to this that are upset we did mention it. Mm. One of the 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 best along with the, the Master is is one that I said I've. I've point to it especially this this the interrogation scene as being like this is the best acting uh doubt is possibly one of the best acted movies i've ever seen it's meryl streep philip Seymour hoffman and viola davis amy adams is in it as well but i she doesn't particularly stand out which is against the other three uh viola davis appears in exactly <laughs> two scenes and i think won an oscar for it or at least it was nominated for it and yeah meryl streep and philip Seymour hoffman is i uh, just both incredible mm. in that film. What about you, Aaron? Are there any more that you wanted to mention? 
Um, I did want to bring up maybe a couple of like uh, television performances, just because I think we may uh-huh. be a bit light on TV stuff. So I did want to mm. bring up James Gandolfini. Raj and the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Apparently, actually, I was having a conversation <laughs> with someone once, and he said that he saw the actor who plays that character like live yeah. in a stage show, and he was like, it's the best performance I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's the best acting I've ever seen. Yeah. So maybe maybe go, the guys. best acting is acting that's so good it makes people think you're a shit actor and it ruins <laughs> your career even though you're a good actor. Yeah. Mm. There you go, man. There you go. <laughs> Plus he's sort of going for the Joan of Arc thing. Yeah. Well, I mean it, like to stay on Big Bang Theory actors, the um what uh the Wallowitz from um Big Bang Theory, his uh Simon Halberg in a net blew me away his performance on that um anyway sorry Aaron. <laughs> um yes so probably first <laughs> up i would say james gandolfini in um the sopranos the sopranos How unless he was in some other show um <laughs> killing them softly uh no in the <laughs> sopranos um and also you guys have seen the wire eh? yeah I was, i've got a wire mention yeah have you got michael kenneth williams as um uh, oh god what is this character's name omar 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 omar, omar the man. no that, that's probably be- i i put idris alba as stringer bell but <laughs> well i put omar's probably better. <laughs> <laughs> such an idiot no, no omar's, omar's, omar's great yeah 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 um nice i also put in this this is a bit of a left of field example i thought that leslie odom jr as aaron burr in hamilton is probably the thing that that i'm most moved by from that play slash so good, filmed play so um good. and was you said to me richard that he's the one that won all the like acting awards well, yeah Acolytes it was one of those from... things that you um yeah like like because because for like the tonys it was lead actor like it's one of the only awards tony that uh that hamilton didn't win because it was lin-manuel miranda lost to leslie Odom jr um, in the lead actor right. category, and I guess if you just listen, you know, you know the law surrounding Hamilton. You're like, damn, like that's they didn't give him one of one of his many awards he was nominated for. You watch it, you're like, oh fuck, it's because he's massively outshone by this guy. Yeah. Mm. Um, I also really like Essie Davis and the Babadook. Have you guys seen the Babadook? Oh yeah. No. <laughs> just react no, like that she, she, she's a she's a um like a like a very stressed australian mother and it's it's a performance that's completely like like it it takes it from like a forgettable movie to like probably one of the best horrors of the past 10 years um uh i also <laughs> this is an interesting conversation um terry o'quinn and michael emerson who play Locke and mm. ben in lost outdo all the other actors in that show i rewatched it recently they do so much they're so much better than everyone else in the show and like is that the best acting when you are clearly better than than everyone else that you're acting with and you still you still give them the dignity and the class and you know like (laughs) i would put henry and cusick in there as well but that's probably just because i love absolutely Mm, yep um i also put uh trevante Rhodes and moonlight i think is one of the more interesting um incredible performances um, which which age is he he's the uh, the oldest one the oldest one the, yeah, yeah yeah so good holy shit he because the spoilers for moonlight um 
<laughs> is that the movie takes place over like three different time periods where you're watching the same kid grow up and the first two versions of him when he's like maybe like nine and the second one he's maybe like 14 are very consistent with each other and then when Travante Rhodes takes over as the character completely different he's, he's as you know in his mid-20s now completely different and it, and it makes you go like what the hell is this like it's not like where is the character they're not even trying for the last one yeah 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 and then the the events of the film eventually bring out that small child version of him um and trevante's performance and it's 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 excellent stuff and i put off watching that movie for a long time but um it's really really a really really good just sort of case study of acting um and uh, finally, I think uh, Dev Patel for a few things, but uh, Slumdog Millionaire comes to mind specifically for like, I mean, that was his breakout, but he's he's really good in The Green Knight as well. I haven't seen Lion, but I've heard he's like incredible in that as well. Mm. Um, and I feel like, I feel like Dev Patel's going to like be one of the greats, you know? Mm. Yeah. And mm. those are my mentions. So lads we're now at the uh at the difficult part of the podcast where we have to crown a best acting mm. literally all i can think is nicholas cage nicholas cage nicholas cage <laughs> <laughs> i thought you're gonna say literally all i can think is dev patel because that's the one you just said <laughs> recency bias <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, what what have we? I think what there have is an learned? argument to so be made I- for Nicolas Cage, genuinely. Um, <laughs> like, and it, it is annoying because it's like I don't want to just buy into the meme of it, but it's like it is such a good like that someone, and it's the destruction of ego and everything like that. That it's like someone who is just willing to give themselves over to whatever it mm. is, no matter what. I think the only category he fails in, and I think it is sort of an important category, is the like there has to be some level of time between like the performances and you in order to like objectively kind of look at the performance. Right. Right. So I reckon on that scale, maybe it can't be Nicolas Cage, but maybe that's also just me being like, no, it can't Bullshit. be Nicolas Cage. <laughs> you made up. I mean, if it's the best acting and we can't give out more than one award because I guess not, but because like we've decided it's not just a single moment of acting, but like acting in general, who who does the best acting, then it is Nicolas Cage. If it's like individual, what little moment from yeah, maybe maybe it's not a person. Oh, oh, maybe it's improv the world over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, sorry, my connection's fucky. I just I was. I was trying to get away with downloading God's Not Dead in the background. I, um, I know it is. <laughs> um, I, I, I've paused my God's Not Dead download. He's um, not? <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know. He's True. Um, I was very convinced he was dead. <laughs> maybe it's not a person. Um, and maybe, maybe the best acting is like we award it to playing against type as a concept. Hmm. That feels equally as much of a cop out as giving it to Nicolas Cage, though. Yeah. <laughs> or think- the person with the uh, broadest, <laughs> broadest range. I do kind of like this idea of like acting. Like you can't award the best acting necessarily for a single performance. You know what I mean? It sort of has to be in some ways a body of work. In the same way we were talking about like 
Feels um, like you bring us back around to Nick Cage. don't go too far away from nick um no it has to be a body of work in the sense that like we were talking about you know it can't just be a moment it has to be spread over a whole movie you know or or like it has to be kind of spread over a whole career and it also has to show that you're able to move away from type or move away from yourself and it's like you know if you can only do that once then that's probably not as good as a person who can do that like 50 Mm. million times or maybe is it like the that the best acting is in one performance, but it's we have to see that journey. So I mean, one that wasn't mentioned, and and you know, me of all people shouldn't be mentioning this, but uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in The Wolf of Wall Street. That's it's my probably my favorite Leo performance, and mm. that's such a you know it's a classic Scorsesean rise and fall but i mean that that's that's what makes brian cranston as walter white so great as well isn't it that Mm. he you see he's so believable as just the fucking loser but then also (laughs) as um as a drug lord not that drugs make you not a loser (laughs) i mean he is a cuck at one point in the series as well and and i believed he was too (laughs) (laughs) but the um another just just also while uh, mentioning tv performances one that Again, I'd be remiss not to mention, I'm surprised you didn't, AJ, is uh, Matthew McConaughey as Rust Cole in Trinity mm. for Season 1. That was Give one it of those... to him. <laughs> We've got to wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> he was, um, you know, it, it sucks that he never won an Emmy for that role, but he was up against Brian Cranston for Ozymandias, which is like possibly the best acting um best episode of television of all time. Best episode of television, best acting in that episode. And so it's like, ah, like any other year you would be a shoo-in mm. for this character because russ cole is, is a phenomenal performance especially for the start okay. of the mcconnaissance we didn't know what he was capable of okay pitching you guys that the winner should be matthew mcconaughey okay because i was gonna make a joke about how he he pretended to be in shitty rom-coms for half of his career as like he was acting in them but what if the best acting actually involves self-reflection and Mm self-improvement and so he like he's talked about it he literally like looked at his life and was like i can't keep doing these bullshit (laughs) and he made that 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 calculated decision to try and do better things and Mm. you know he's been in some stinkers since true detective but at least he's trying to do certain things um and maybe that that self-improvement is is um is the marriage of your real life and your acting career maybe that is what the best acting ultimately is <laughs> no sorry aj it's actually daniel day lewis oh okay we didn't even yeah. mention daniel day lewis <laughs> um yeah my left swoops have in you at seen- the end and wins it <laughs> classic dan um have you seen my left foot aaron no i haven't because that's the one that's like considered his best one uh I've, he's incredible and there will be blood um when he drinks Paul Dano's milkshake. And the, the, I've, I've abandoned my child. This is starting Crazy. to feel very much like we don't know how to end this thing. Oh, do you know what? <laughs> we don't. <laughs> I say we give it to, we just do it. We just award I it to someone. I think we give it to Billy Burke for Charlie Swan. Agreed. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, thank you for listening, everybody. I mean- <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, he did die after that performance because I have literally never seen him act ever again. Yeah, someone didn't um, watch Revolution. 
<laughs> was he in that show? He yeah, he was. Um, but I don't think anyone knows what revolution is, so the joke doesn't work for a different reason than what you um, If you are pissed off with the result of this episode, then please let us know. You're clearly not tuned into the sort of big joke of doing what's the best episodes. Um, I, I, no, I, I, honestly, though, I do feel like your argument for Matthew McConaughey is a good call, but I also think that Nicolas Cage is... For I think the discussions we had about destruction of ego and mm. fully giving yourself over to something and not being able to and like that's it, like Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight is this as well where it's like you lose every shred of Heath Ledger in that performance. Mm. I think Nicolas Cage. While I did say you're quite often quite aware that you're watching Nicolas Cage, um, and he does have his own mannerisms. It's yeah it's like he's there is still that separation between the mm. real Nicolas Cage who's quite a quiet understated person mm. really who and likes Billy Burke words. as Charlie Swan has lost Trump's into- them all trumps them all um yeah thank you very much for listening everybody <laughs> if you are if you are pissed off that we didn't reach an answer please let us know you can hop on the discord which there's a link to in the show notes or you can follow us on instagram Maybe or we'll do Twitter. a part two that's called mm. No, seriously, what's the best acting? Exactly. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you can support us at all those places or you can email us at media at gmail.com. You can also, if you'd like, if we if we did such a good job you'd like to financially support us, <laughs> you can hop on over to patreon.com slash coldpopshire as well. And also, I think we'll have a post-credit scene after this exit oh, yes. music in this episode, so stick around for that. Um, and if you're wondering what film franchise Fortnite is doing, uh, we'll be back next week with the start of season 7 of Film Franchise Fortnites where we'll be talking about the Gods Not Dead franchise so get ready for some hot blasphemy boys coming at <laughs> you making fun of Christians that'll be next week so get on that and um, thank you Aaron for sticking with us for this long string of episodes it's been great to have you on thanks for having me guys it's been an absolute pleasure oh. um, um, and yeah. yeah and uh, yeah, like, let us know if you wanted this debate more settled. Um, mm. and, we'll yeah, continue like, doing like more hear. episodes for the rest of time. <laughs>All right, welcome along to the post-credits scene, everyone. This is a scene at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash then you give us get to give us something to talk about at the end of each episode. In this, the post-credits scene, Aaron's still here because we love our boy Aaron, so <laughs> maybe he'll answer the question as well. What have we got, Richard? Uh, so Dan Connell asked, there are a seemingly universal list of films that are considered classic or must see. What are some films on that list you disagree with? Okay. Anything on the AFI top 100, top 250 on IMDb, etc. cetera. Uh, yeah. Just, just what's a movie considered a classic or a must see that you disagree with? Um, I think I tore into it already on the miniseries, but Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is <laughs> garbage. <laughs> um, I also, I, uh, I don't really like Vertigo. Um, which is considered the greatest movie of all time. Vertigo's right. mean. I liked Vertigo. And I don't I have it's not that I don't like it, but I still haven't seen Citizen Kane, everyone. So um <laughs> feel free to to rip into me for that. Um I find this really hard because like I and and I'm not proud of this, but I tend to not stray from public opinion for a lot of films. But I can tell you that the um the movie that I 
the most recent like acclaimed movie that i didn't really like that much was um argo um i was like i want to see them make a fake movie and as soon as they get to what what country do they go to in argo is it like iran kazakhstan iran as soon as they get over there the whole the whole the whole like making a fake movie plot line is dropped it's not important yeah and i know that that's what happened in real life but you sold me on the it's about making a fake movie log line and i went into it expecting that and that wasn't there and uh i think that's a bummer (laughs) Uh, do you want a real controversial take Mm -hmm. i don't like pulp fiction (gasps) is it because it's it's implicitly racist <laughs> yes, and only that. No, um, I don't know, man. There's something about it. That's just like I don't understand why people like this movie. To me, the dialogue is like, oh man, just the like, best part stop, of the film. Yep, stop writing dialogue so hard. Like we, <laughs> it's like he was. It's like, not the best dialogue, but it's the most dialogue. Yeah, uh, I'm regretting the, inviting the Aaron to the post credit scene. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get invited ever again anywhere. I told uh, you it was going to be a hot take, guys. No, that is, that is um, a good. That is a hot take. What, when it premiered, um, when Tarantino showed, my I just realized my mic hasn't been pointing at me for a little. Hopefully, not very long. Oh my god, it's like fallen off the table. When did this happen? Um, sorry if I have sounded like shit. Um, for most of this podcast but it was fine before um that yeah when he showed his like director friends they were all like dude i loved uh reservoir dogs but whoo you got a turd on your hands and i think um <laughs> gus van sant was the only person who was like no i get it <laughs> um but like geese yeah, ever all of his director friends that he showed it to were like this is garbage man like well in um, contrast to gus van sant I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> one one movie that everyone loves that I think is bad is Rubber, the Quentin Dupont movie about the killer tire. I'm sure I've talked about this on the podcast before, but like this is kind of like in like, you know, filmic like true film circles everyone loves this like pulpy movie about a telekinetic tire that's actually not what it's about and it's the super wanky like commentary on how things don't have to make sense and how absurdism is this or that i just Mm. wanted a movie about a killer tire and that's not what it is they, I, they 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 took a they took a hot dog and they put two fancy ingredients on it and now I just <laughs> wanted a shitty hot dog. The the, the a similar sort of one for me is um, Swiss Army Man. That, oh. like, for, for for recent recent beloved classic. I don't really like Swiss Army Man. I do love the new film Everything Everywhere All at Once though. Um, I'm going to see it tomorrow. Very exciting. Aaron, do you have any recent classics? I can't think of any that I. <sighs> You looked I'd very look offended that I mentioned rubber. Was that because you like it or because you can't believe people revere it? <laughs> or you Neither. hadn't heard I of was it like, that's your confused face. <laughs> that was, was my confused face. I was like, does he mean the seminal classic Flubber? <laughs> <laughs> don't like Flubber. <laughs> I don't care for it. I don't, yeah, I don't care what anyone else says. Flubber's a bad movie. <laughs> 